we are going to look at the book of Mark. So if you want to turn with me to Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there's Bibles in the pews in front of you. We're going to look at chapter 2, and we're going to read a couple of sections here. Um, we're reading a couple sections because in order to get where we're going, we got to see where Jesus was coming from, right, in order to understand what's going on. Very simple uh, parable that he tells later, but not actually that simple at all. So Mark chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 13, all right, Mark 2, 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teacher of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and said, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but you guys are not? And Jesus said, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, as long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So there's a, there's a big debate theologically about the old uh, old, uh, old wine skins and new wine and how that is talk of, of the old covenant versus the new covenant, all right? And in some respects, let me be clear, in some respects, all right, there is a, a taking over, all right? We have a new covenant, right? But that doesn't completely dismiss uh, the old covenant, all right? So that analogy doesn't work in full. All right, it's got like part truth to it. And so if we taught it that way, it would only be half true, right? So going back to see what Jesus was talking about and dealing with prior to getting there helps us understand what he was trying to do. And in helping us understand what he was trying to do, it's going to help me help you, all right? We've got to know where we're going as we're coming into the new year, right? We've got to know how we're going to become, all right? Now, if I'm going to find my place in the mall, right? If I come into the mall and I go, all right, it's a huge mall. I don't know where the store is. I find one of those directories, right? It doesn't matter if I find the store on the directory if I don't figure something else out. What is that? Where you are. That's why there's that big you are here, you know, area to tell you where you're going. Well, this morning, I need, you need, we need to have a you are here moment. If we're going to move ahead, right, we need to know where we are. There are people in this room, me included at times, who 
don't have a good understanding of where we are spiritually. Well, I'm a good person. Okay. Well, I attend church. Okay. Well, I am the chairman of the vacation Bible school. Okay. Well, I sing in the choir. Okay. Right? All of these things play in. But all of these things don't tell us where we are or where we are not spiritually. Okay? We need to know where we are spiritually in order to receive. So Jesus comes and these people had been, I say they'd been talking about, they had been anticipating a Messiah for a long period of time, okay? Now, the Messiah has shown up, and they don't have any idea who he is, where he is, or why he is doing what he is doing, all right? In fact, they, they are so convinced that, that this guy is not him, that they're doing everything they can to make him look bad, test him, disprove him, and eventually just get rid of him, right? So Jesus comes, he comes to love, he comes to serve, and he calls a couple of guys. First two guys he calls, all right? Uh, or three guys, whatever, Peter, James, John. He goes out to get James and John, right? They're fishing with their dad. And he says, hey, put your nets down, let's roll. No explanation, no nothing, just come on. And these two fishermen, come on, all right? Now, he's walking with these guys who are, you know, good old boys, but they're good old Jewish boys. And he gets out by the other side of the lake and he walks right up to this tax collecting booth and he says, hey, Levi, come with me. Now, James and John immediately tap Jesus on both shoulders and go, mm, not that guy. Mm, Jesus, are you sure? All right, immediately. Jesus, are you sure? Now, all of us have Jesus, are you sure moments, all right? Just don't say it. Just, just don't say it, all right? Because Jesus is going to look at you like, am I sure? Have I ever been unsure? All right, but their problem is that, that this guy is the antithesis, the opposite of everything that they think the teacher needs. Not only is he not one of them, he is one of them, but he has gone and turned his back on them. To become a tax collector means you're actually taking from your brothers and your sisters and your mother and your father. You're actually working for the man, right? All right, working for the Roman government. They are not happy with this particular choice, even his disciples, much less the Pharisees who are walking several steps behind watching all of this go on and saying to themselves, this is who this guy chooses. He goes to the uneducated and grabs the fishermen and then he goes to the tax collectors, which are only mentioned in the same sentence as sinners. Who does this guy think he is and why is he choosing these people? And then these people throw a party all right, and, and it's kind of like a farewell. Levi's like, hey guys, been good, but I'm out. I'm, I'm heading into a new life. So he invites them all over and they're having a big party and Jesus is sitting right in the middle of them and the Pharisees are outside and they're like, what is this guy doing? 
There is zero about the way we do things. I want you to hear that. There is zero about how we conduct church. There is zero about the way we think things ought to be going on with this guy. Why does he act the way that he acts? Now, here's the contrast. Here's the contrast. The Pharisees were, in fact, church people. The Pharisees were, in fact, Bible-reading people. The Pharisees were, in fact, law-abiding, rule-following people. But their rule-following and their law-following and their religion had become how they saw it, how they interpreted it, how they read it. And when the reason behind all of the laws, the reason behind all of the commands, and that's how you need to think of the old law versus the new law. The old law, and we preached this, we did the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments aren't there to give you rules to follow. They're there to make you more like God. They were handed down to God's people and his purpose in them was saying, hey, these make you more like me. Do not steal, do not kill, honor your father and your mother, remember the Sabbath and keep us holy. All of these things were to, were to help make us more like God in the image of God and walk that out. When Jesus came, he is the example. So the laws, though followed, had been perverted in such a way that when the one who is the image of the laws appears, they don't even recognize him, right? So here's what I want to say. When Jesus confronts this reality, the church people, not understanding what he was doing with his life, with his ministry, with his love, why he was hanging out with sinners, why he was hanging out with tax collectors, when they couldn't comprehend it, he tells this story. You don't you don't put a, 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 a patch on an old pair of jeans, a patch that hasn't been worn, a patch that hasn't been stretched, you know? If you put that on your jeans and your jeans start to move and stretch, pretty soon you're not going to have this hole. It's going to tear all around the hole. He said, even worse, here's one you'll understand better. You don't put new wine that you've worked for, that you've, that you've been patient with, that you've waited on the grapes to grow. You don't put that, you know, you don't put that in, in a wine skin that is not ready for it. Because what will happen is it will ferment, it will grow, and you're going to lose your wine skin and you're going to lose your wine. And they just looked at him and went, huh? If you have an expectation of what you think spirituality ought to be, if you have an expectation of what you think church ought to be, if you have an expectation of what you think Christianity ought to be, and Jesus comes in and says, but it looks like this, there could be a massive issue. And that massive issue could be that what you believed in wasn't good and 
what you need to receive has no place to land. And you end up losing both. And that's not what I want for us. That's not what I want for you. I was, I was uh, Googling things. Um, uh, when you plant, you know, I, I know a little bit about it. Herod and I make an effort each year to do garden, right? We, we, we just make the stuff that goes in salsa. That's all we do. We just, that, and, and we try cucumbers, but that has not gone well for us, all right? We have, we have, we have, we, 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 we are really good at growing orange cucumbers. Um, tr- true story. They, they're yellow, orange colored. We have no idea why, all right? But we make good salsa, right? So as I was looking at all of this, I was like, yeah, we know if you put your tomato plants too close together, they, they get all over each other. And if you don't prune, you have way too many tomatoes and they're all smaller and you know all the things. But I was reading and I, I, I asked, I was like, hey, what about the soil? And you all know that in the Bible, you know, when God's word goes out, there's, there's, there's seeds that fall on, you know, the, the, the rocky ground, seeds that fall on the, basically the concrete, the, the ground with rocks, the, the place with thorns, and the good soil, right? And, and we've all heard the story about how the word can or cannot grow in each of those places and what causes that. But let's assume that there is good soil. Even when there is good soil, apparently really good gardeners, really good farmers go out well before it's time to plant and not just find good soil, but when they find the good soil, they turn it over so that the layer just underneath is now on top. Then they mix in manure or compost or extended uh, term fertilizer and they turn it again and then they water. I didn't, I, I didn't know this. They water it. There's nothing in there. Why would you do that? Well, the water then lets everything disperse in the soil and they turn it again so that the soil is now ready to produce good crops. That's the New Year's message. That's the New Year's message. I need you, I need me, I need us to find ourselves on the mall sign, right? And to not decide, this is what I know, this is who I am, this is where I'll be, and everybody needs to become like me. No, no. It's time to say, God, tell me where I am. God, tell me who I am. So when that nutcase preaches, all right, it's not just falling on concrete or rocky ground or even good soil. It's falling on soil that's ready to receive it. It's falling on soil that does not want to rebel against it. It's falling on soil that actually wants to produce fruit. I don't want to move forward next week, the week after next, throwing seed out into whatever soil is there if we have no idea where we are or if anything's gonna grow anyway. None. I have no desire to pour any wine into any wine skins that aren't prepared to receive it because the seed falls elsewhere and the skins are damaged too. And most of us go... It's, it's, it's the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector in the church. Most of us go, I'm glad I'm not like that sinner 
over there. And I always say, don't judge me because I sin what? Differently than you. We're all sinners. I had an incredible conversation with one of our church members recently, and we were talking about serving. We were talking about being an example. I learned some things in that conversation. I hope that that church member learned some things in that conversation. But one of the things that we said was, if we set a standard so high in our kids' ministry or so high in our youth ministry or so high in our worship ministry, if we set a standard so high and go, if you are not these things, you do not get to serve, you know what's going to happen? Nobody's going to serve. You know what we want to do, though? We want to go and... I am not picking out sins. I'm just, I'm, I am playing political here for a minute. You know what? I haven't been, um, I haven't had an abortion. I'm not a homosexual. I attend church on a regular basis and I've never stolen. I'm qualified. You know what? I don't drink or smoke or chew. And you know what? I don't gossip or have malice or hatred in my heart. Wait, 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 wait. You know what we like to do? We have a certain set of sins that we don't want around our children. We have a certain set of sins that we don't want around our people. We have a certain set of sins that as long as we don't do those things, we're good people. Hello, Pharisees. Craig, did you just call us good church folk who are here on New Year's Day after New Year's Eve and two good football games? Did you just call us Pharisees? Pot, kettle. Yeah, I did. Because although they knew the word, they did not recognize the word who became flesh and dwelt among them. And some of us get so irritated. Some of us get so self-righteous. Some of us get so unamused, I'm going to use that word, unamused, when people come to us and they say, hey, I was wondering, you used to serve. I mean, you used to serve all the time. If, if, if Cy, Cy can say, man, if I needed something, I knew that I could call X, right? And now we haven't seen X in nine months. What's that mean? Well, wait, this is a, these are good church members. They've been with us two years, three years, five years, seven years. They've gotten into this thing. They know exactly what's going on. We're good people. So were the Pharisees. And they didn't recognize Jesus when he walked in the door. And some of us aren't ready. About eight weeks ago, I know I said what I'm about to say now. I said, you know what will make my pastoring really easy? If Johnny Ray and Kendi and... And, and Dale would just come in my office, sit down in my chair and go, hey, go ahead, lay it on me. I want to know all the things I need to fix. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Instead of me having to call you up and go, hey, Nick. Hey, Betsy. I need you to come in my office. Because y'all know, know that the four words nobody wants to hear. We need to talk. You know what I'm talking about? You hear those four words and it's like, you, you can't do anything else. They're paralyzing. I, for me, they are paralyzing because you have no idea what's coming, no idea why it's coming, and we don't want to have hard conversations. Jesus, you know what? He didn't have hard conversations. He flat out preached it and made him eat it. He just said it in front of everybody. Here's what I'm trying to say with as much love as I can muster to a large group of people. 
your wineskins aren't ready. There is a beautiful, wonderful, incredible amount of the word of God that needs to come out, that needs to come out, that I need to find, that I need to study. We were talking about our words for the year. I never do that, all right? But my wife was talking me through hers. And I looked back because God was overwhelmingly saying, you know what you need to do. And having spoken a week ago or two weeks ago about some of my deficiencies, all right, um, mine is grow. If I had a word, it would be grow. Here's why, and I'm gonna tell you straight up. I have had a come to Jesus meeting with myself over the last four to six weeks, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because here I am, believing that I'm a, a, a halfway decent influencer, that I am, to the best of my human ability, with God by my side, trying to love and pastor this group of people as good as I can, trying to keep up with our spirituality, trying to keep up with our finances, trying to keep up with the ministries that we're doing, trying to steer the ship in a direction and be a, a small group leader. I'm trying to do all of those things, all right? I am, a, I am a pretty darn good communicator. And I've been here nine years and four months. And for the last seven and a half, we've been spinning between 120 and 160. It's just true. It's, it's not about excuses. It's true. Why is that? And I am not asking you. I'm asking me. It's not on you. But the question is, why is that? And that was hard for me. Because, let me tell you. I can explain all of them away. I can. I'm good. I'm good at that. I can give you reasons and make you believe them. And guess what? They might be true. They really might be true. Does it fix the problem? If you hand me excuses, even if they're valid, does it fix the problem? If I come to you with a request that God makes of you and you hand me excuses, even if they're true, does it fix the problem? I'm trying to pour good wine into bad wine skins. And I am not pointing the finger. I'm saying... also saying if we don't change this is us too on a spiritual treadmill and pretty soon the pouring out of the words gonna hit and it's gonna spill all over the place and we're gonna lose way more than we gain Jesus is full of grace he's full of love he's full of mercy he's full of hope he's full of all those things but he also told the parable where the, 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 the workers are given talents. And some of them, they go out and they risk their talents and more talents come pouring in. And others of them, they go out and they risk their talents and more talents come pouring in. And one of them says, I'm going to take care of my talent. I'm not going to lose my talent. I'm not going to gain more talents. I'm simply going to take care of my talent. And what happens? The talent is ripped away from him. If we don't make use of the blessings around us, the blessings of one another, the blessings of our youth, the blessings of our children, the blessings of our staff, if we don't cultivate them, take risks with them, send them out, go ye therefore, we'll lose. 
It doesn't matter how hard I preach. It doesn't even matter how good the words are that come out of my mouth if God allows that. It doesn't matter how much the Spirit's moving. And it... You are here. For Steve, for, for Brian, for Tara, for Brad. Where is here? Cassandra, where, where is here? As we, as we push forward into the new year, as we want to grow, as we want to go, as we want to move forward. Church, where is here? I'm, I'm, I'm doubling down. I told you. And I'm going to keep telling you so that when somebody asks, you can tell them. I'm doubling down on worship and small groups. What's your church doing? Worship and small groups. Well, what about art camp? Worship and small groups. What about marriage retreat? Worship and small groups. What about Kings Island? Worship and small groups. Craig, are you sure? Pretty darn. Well, I'm not in a small group. Not my problem. I can lead a horse to water, but I can't. I learned that a long time ago. All I can do is go, you are here. We're going there. There is where Jesus wants us. There is where growth happens. There is where light and life and love and fruit abound. You are here. Come there. But I won't put a bit in your mouth. I won't try to saddle you up. I will not horsewhip you over there. I will stick my hand out and I will go, I'm going to. Are you coming? Jesus was talking to church people when he said, hey, I've come with a fruit, with a drink, with a beverage that you've never imagined. But I refuse to pour it into containers that aren't ready to handle it. When I say, where are you? The other question is, how's your container? How's your wine skin? How's your heart? The last couple of weeks, I've been really burdened in two ways about this phrase that I'm getting ready to say that you've heard before. I will love you what? Where you are. I cannot. Do you know what most of you really want? been left it's been a hard reality for me in the last couple months most of my good loving beautiful church people that I would go to the cross for all of you you want me to love you right where you are and you do not want me to take you somewhere else 
my growth, your pastor's growth, starts with this phrase. That stops now. Well, Craig, people might leave. No, there's no might. There's no might. You know how I know? Because when you pour the new wine in the old wineskins, Because I can come to you with grace and I can come to you with love. But when I say to you, your service sucks, you don't get to look at me and go, but. You don't get to look at me and go, well, you don't get to go, you don't understand. No! Your service sucks. Fix it. I'm going over there. Are you coming? Your marriage sucks. That's not very nice. Jesus didn't say, Pastor, your job is to be nice. Kind? Absolutely. But when I get before God and he goes, hey, you remember when, um, I need to make up a name. Simeon, you remember when Simeon, I know there's nobody named that here. You remember when you knew that Simeon's marriage was in trouble and you didn't call Simeon up and say, hey, what's going on? And that marriage fell apart. That's on you. getting that off my plate I want to I sleep pretty good I plan on sleeping better how's your wine skin we're going to keep on I know I know more Luke we're going to keep on you know why because better Luke than experiencing God better Luke than God's at war better Luke than everlasting love by the newest author. Let's get into Malachi. Let's get into Matthew. Let's get into her backaches. There are people in the room who are like, I don't get it. Open the little blue book in front of you. Look in the Old Testament. Read them out loud to yourself. You'll figure it out. But the reason we don't get it is the problem, right? We're going in. How's your wine skin? It's difficult when things ferment inside you, okay? When things are about to make you bust, it's, it's hard. Growth is hard. Max Lucado calls it being on the anvil. Being on the anvil is hard as the, the master welder just beats down to create a tool he can use. Do you want to be a tool he can use? Are you willing to take what it takes to be there? I got to do better. I got to quit hiding behind that desk. I got to quit waiting for chances for you to come and say, oh, sweet preacher, you know what? I just feel like I'm, I feel like I'm not spiritually there. I'm just not spiritually there. I'd really love to sit in this seat while you sit behind that desk and I'd love for you to say to me, these are the ways you can spiritually grow. I, I, that hasn't happened in nine years. Time for me to get out of my chair. 
I will do better. How's your skin? I will preach the word. I promise. How's your skin? We want to see fruit. How's your soil? Oh, Craig, I don't know. Find it. Prep it. And sometimes remember that in order to get it right, we got to go through some <clears throat> manure. You're welcome. How's your heart? You ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. God, I need, I need you. <laughs> I, 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 I know that whatever the, the ignition, whatever the explosion, whatever the, the, the powerful movement that you have for us that is coming, I know that we have to be prepared. We have to be ready. And God, I, I pray that we're prepared and ready and also blown away. I pray for both, God. I pray for us to be so ready to receive, as Jim Cimbala called it, your fresh wind and your fresh fire. But God, we can't do it in our old ways. We can't do it with our old hearts. We can't do it with our old wineskins. God, we've got to be refreshed. We've got to be renewed. But I also pray, God, that when it happens and we receive it, that we're also blown away by the power and the authority and the things beyond our imagination that you bring for us. Cultivate our soil. Pull us into your word. And let us be like Isaiah. Here am I. When we find our location, here I am. Here am I. Send me. Make that our church, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.